It's Midday Magazine for Tuesday, August 8th. I'm Shelby Herbert. There were several empty seats in Petersburg's assembly chambers at yesterday's meeting, with only four out of the seven-member assembly in attendance. But they pressed forward to make big decisions about several plots of land across Mitkoff and Kupernoff. Here's more on their decision to pass one resolution to sell borough land and yet another to make a last-minute pass to appeal for more land from the state. Petersburg's Borough Assembly met yesterday in a near-empty chamber. City Manager Steve Giesbrecht, Assemblymember Scott Newman, Vice Mayor Bob Lynn, and Mayor Mark Jensen were all excused. In Mayor Jensen's absence, the four remaining Assembly members appointed Dave Kensinger to chair the meeting. The first item of business in front of them, an application from Petersburg's tribe to buy borough property. PIA is looking to purchase a small lot on the corner of Halkin Drive and 12th Street in the area surrounding the building where they're headquartered. So far, no other parties have spoken up about their interest in the 0.31-acre plot, which is valued around $52,000. At the meeting... PAA's tribal administrator, Chad Wright, said the tribe isn't completely sure about what they want to do with the plot, but they have some ideas. The ideas that we've talked about is doing housing, storage, or a retail space, or maybe a combination of, of a couple of those. The new hospital relocates in that area uh, and may be enticing to have some retail space. The Assembly of Four approved PIA's application, but they couldn't decide how they want to sell the land in either a public auction or through direct negotiations with the tribe. PIA has expressed their preference for the latter option. Assemblymember Thomas Fine Walsh also spoke in favor of moving into direct negotiations. I feel like one of the advantages is the possibility that we could offload this piece of property for a reduced amount of money, and in return that would allow PIA to invest more money into the property. This is just a a bit more efficient and a bit more respectful way to go about this, owing to the fact that we are dealing with, you know, federally recognized entity here. Ultimately, that part of the decision was kicked over to the next meeting on August 21st. The next big item on the agenda was a resolution to appeal a decision handed down by the Alaska Department of Natural Resources, which denies the borough ownership of two parcels of land. Community Development Director Liz Cabrera reported that the likelihood of a successful appeal is low. But, she said, it wouldn't cost the borough too much time or money to at least try. And the property in question could be a boon for Petersburg. Waterfront property is always worth acquiring uh, just because of, you know, it could be used for amenity land or it could be used for future transportation. Though I agree the likelihood of winning the appeal is not great. The resolution passed and the borough will move forward with the appeal. If the assembly loses that appeal and should they decide to push the issue any further, their next step would require going to court at further cost to the borough. In other business, borough clerk Debbie Thompson reminded the community about volunteer openings for the upcoming election on October 3rd. So there's a few jobs. Um, you can be a registrar, which would mean the people that come in to vote, you just find them on the voters list and have them sign, verify they are who they are, give them a ballot, and then they get to go vote. Um, you can man the ballot box, which is after voting. People take their ballot and put it in a black box. It reads it for us and puts it down into a, a sack that holds everything secure. This was also 
also the final meeting for Chris Basinger, who has covered the Assembly for two years as the reporter for the Petersburg Pilot. Assemblymember Jeff Miucci thanked him for his service to the community. He's a very pleasant and kind individual and doesn't hang us out to dry or doesn't hang me out to dry. And uh, I just wanted to appreciate his, his hard work and we're going to miss you. Basinger is set to return to his home in Texas, and the pilot's newest reporter, Olivia Rose, will step into his shoes next week. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. This story has been edited to reflect the correct location of the two parcels of land the Alaska Department of Natural Resources denied Petersburg's borough. One parcel is located at Proley Point along the Kupernoff shoreline, and the other at Hood Point, which is adjacent to Beecher Pass State Marine Park. Navy warships were dispatched to the Aleutians last week after 11 Chinese and Russian military vessels were found operating in the region. Hope McKenney reports from Unalaska. The exact location of the foreign ships was not disclosed, but a military spokesperson from the U.S. Northern Command says the foreign patrol ships remained in international waters and were not considered a threat. Still, U.S. Senators Lisa Murkowski and Dan Sullivan issued a statement Saturday saying the incident shows why the military should expand its presence in Alaska to protect U.S. interests. China has sent naval ships to the Bering Sea off Alaska's shores before in what U.S. analysts often say is a provocative gesture. The first known incident was in 2015, coinciding with then-President Barack Obama's visit to Alaska. In 2021, the Coast Guard encountered a flotilla of Chinese warships 46 miles off the Aleutian Islands. And the following year, a Coast Guard vessel found a group of Russian and Chinese warships traveling together through the Bering Sea. An Alaska's city and tribal officials have been weighing the island's ability to host a larger U.S. military presence. Community leaders are promoting Dutch Harbor as a key port in the nation's Arctic plan, as melting ice opens shipping lanes and allows for more foreign military transits. Reporting from Unalaska, I'm Hope McKenney. U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will visit Alaska next week. His office announced visits to Kotzebue, Anchorage, and Juneau. The trip is intended to highlight the unprecedented level of federal spending on the state's infrastructure made possible by the bipartisan infrastructure law. The Biden administration says the state's total, as of last month, comes to $5 billion spread across more than 900 projects. About half of the money is for highways, bridges, and other transportation infrastructure. The state is also in line to receive $1 billion for broadband expansion and a substantial amount for water projects. A visit by a cabinet secretary also allows the state's congressional delegation to focus high-level attention on its priorities. U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan will accompany Buttigieg in Kotzebue, while Senator Lisa Murkowski will join him on his southeast swing. Congress passed the trillion-dollar bipartisan infrastructure law in 2021, with the votes of both Alaska senators. A small team of researchers is on the Yukon River this month to learn more about an area where dinosaur footprints were discovered 10 years ago. As Emily Schwing reports from Bethel, the first few days of the expedition have proven fruitful. I'm combing the banks of the Yukon River with paleontologist Tony Fiorillo. Do you see anything? Oh. Oh. It's right there. He just stumbled upon two small shapes protruding from a large block of yellow sandstone. 
One looks like a flattened tennis ball with three distinct toes. It's at least 100 million years old. That's really cool. So, like, that's a little one. It, yeah, and so it's either another body size um, of a dinosaur that lived here. Yeah. Or it's a baby. Fiorillo is the executive director of the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science. He says this footprint was made by a dinosaur that comes from a group broadly known as ornithopods. They're plant eaters, and this is the smallest print from this dinosaur he's ever found. We're somewhere between Galena and the village of Nolato, where Fiorillo also discovered signs of an ancient fish species. What this surface is, is an ichnogenus called undicna. And what it is, is it's a trace fossil of a fish, a bony fish. He points to three evenly spaced raised lines that scrape the surface of a grayish sandstone. And it's as the fish is swimming and its fins are hitting the bottom, the, the rays of the fins will do that. Fiorillo, who's an expert on the dinosaurs that once roamed Alaska, visited the upper reaches of the Yukon River six times between 2000 and 2013. And he only ever found two dinosaur footprints there. Um, that's the hardest I ever worked for two footprints. Now we're here in the middle section of the river. So con contrast that length of time for success. We go, wow, there's some rocks by the river yesterday. We arrive in the afternoon. I think it might have taken an hour to find the first footprint. I wouldn't say the floodgates are opened yet, but I think we're going to feel like that pretty soon at the rate we're finding stuff. By the end of the second day of field work, the three-man team recorded nearly a dozen fossil footprints. In the following few days, that number has more than doubled. They plan to continue their search through the middle of August. On the Yukon River, I'm Emily Schwang. A California man who was indicted last month on federal sexual abuse charges had a decades-long association with Juno's Echo Ranch Bible Camp. Bradley Earl Rieger volunteered at the camp as a nurse and counselor starting in the 1970s. Yvonne Crumry has the story in Juno. And as a warning, this story contains mention of sexual violence towards minors. The charging documents allege that Rieger abused more than a dozen boys and young men, often under the guise of medical care and often during camping trips or church activities. But federal investigators believe he could have hundreds of victims. In an interview, former Juno resident Troy Wilson told KTOO that he's one of them. He says Rieger befriended Wilson at a ranch when he was a child and first abused him during a trip to California. He's a monster. And now that I hear about the things that he's done to other kids and other people, um, it's the stories are identical. <laughs> and I hope that my story and statement helps those people someday. Wilson may be a familiar name in Juneau. He worked for the Juneau Police Department for nearly two decades, left the force, and went to prison after shooting at police during a mental health crisis in 2012. Wilson said the standoff happened at a time when he was working to confront the trauma of Rieger's abuse. A federal grand jury in Sacramento indicted Rieger last month on charges of, quote, illicit sexual activity abroad, transportation of a minor with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, and coercion and enticement, unquote. Rieger lives in Susanville, California, where he's owned a series of medical service companies. According to the criminal complaint, Rieger would find ways to travel out of California on camping trips or church-affiliated missions with his victims. 
Then he would sexually abuse them under the guise of medical treatment. The complaint says that some of the abuse took place during camping trips in Alaska, though it's not clear where. Rieger pleaded not guilty to the charges on July 21st. Investigators are still looking for other possible victims who have not come forward yet. Rieger's presence in Juneau dates back to the 70s. In a statement, the parent organization of Echo Ranch Bible Camp, Avant Ministries, said Rieger was never employed by the camp, but volunteered in the 70s and sporadically over the years. A History of the Camp, written for its 50th anniversary in 2014, includes several references to Rieger. Avant's statement says the organization is, quote, grieved by the reports about sexual abuse by Bradley Rieger and grieve for any and all children harmed, unquote. And it says Rieger can no longer be affiliated with Avant services or set foot on Avant property. Troy Wilson says he met Rieger when he was a child in the late 70s, and his parents worked at Echo Ranch. His parents trusted Rieger. So when Rieger invited Wilson, then 12, and two other boys to go to California, Wilson's parents said yes. They thought it was a chance to go on a fun road trip and go to amusement parks, which his parents couldn't afford to pay for themselves. Now, looking back, you know, he was, I believe, was grooming my parents and grooming us kids. It was on that trip that Rieger first assaulted Wilson, under the guise of checking for ticks, Wilson said. At that time, Wilson didn't understand what had happened to him. As time went on, we went back to the ranch. Nothing ever came up, never said anything. Then, when Wilson was 18, he worked for and lived with Rieger for a year in Susanville. He saw it as an opportunity to get into a career in emergency medical services. When Wilson started suffering from severe back pain, Rieger offered to examine him. Instead, Wilson said, Rieger assaulted him again under the guise of medical attention. He was a nurse. I trusted him. He was a friend. I was looking for help. After the second assault, Wilson said he didn't feel like he could do anything about it and didn't report it to police. But other people did report Rieger. The criminal complaint says Rieger was investigated at least as early as 1986. It says that Susanville police investigations in 2003, 2006, and 2007 involving multiple victims did not result in criminal charges. Wilson stresses that Rieger did not abuse him at Echo Ranch, and he doesn't know if Rieger abused anyone else there either. Rather, Wilson said he thinks Rieger used places like the camp to befriend families and gain access to children. That's how he, that's what he does. Echo Ranch was a mechanism that introduced him to our family. Wilson, who now lives in Washington State, said that after he served his prison sentence, he started going to therapy to deal with his trauma. He says that he hopes sharing his story might make it easier for other victims to come forward. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Crumery. The FBI has an online forum for anyone who wants to report that they or their minor dependent may have been victimized by Bradley Rieger. You can find that linked in this story on ktoo.org. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.